Thank you, choir. You prepare us for God's word so beautifully. And now, please listen or read along in God's word, Matthew 17, verses 1 through 9. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them. And from the cloud, a voice said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Please pray with me. Holy God, as my words are true to your word, may they be taken to heart. But as my words should stray from your word, may they be quickly forgotten. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Edward Farrell of Detroit took his two-week vacation to Ireland to celebrate his favorite uncle's 80th birthday. On the morning of that great day, Ed and his uncle got up before dawn dressed in silence, and went for a walk along the shores of Lake Killarney. Just as the sun rose, his uncle turned and stared straight at the rising orb. Ed stood beside him, and for 20 minutes, not a single word was exchanged. Then the elderly uncle began to skip along the shoreline, wearing a radiant smile on his face. After catching up with him, Ed commented, Uncle Seamus, you look very happy. Do you want to tell me why? Yes, lad, the man said, tears washing down his face. I am not happy. I am joyful. You see, the father is fond of me. Ah, the father is so fond of me. Uncle Seamus got it. The, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ is so fond of you and me. And it's crucial to realize this as you and I get to know God and get to know Jesus intimately. 
It is so important to understand that each one of us is a beloved child of God. That's one of the key meanings to the mountaintop experience in this text. Jesus takes his inner circle, Peter, whom he named, uh, Simon, whom he named Peter, we could call him Rocky, James and John, those Zebedee brothers called the Sons of Thunder. This was the bombastic three. And he took them to pray. And Jesus was transfigured. His face changed and shone like the sun. His clothes dazzled white, whiter than any bleach commercial we've ever seen. This is the only time in Jesus' earthly career, including after the resurrection, that Jesus' dignity is made gloriously, even spectacularly clear. Nowhere else in the Gospels does Jesus shine and glow like this. But here, once in his life, the only close parallel to his is his baptismal experience. Jesus is showered with light And in a moment, with God's voice, Jesus' nature is focused by words similar to each other that build and build like a crescendo. His face shone like the sun. His clothes were white as light. The cloud that descended on him and his company was a shining cloud. Not only that, Jesus was flanked by Moses, the lawgiver, and Elijah, the prophet par excellence. And in the central panel of our window, you see the transfiguration. Jesus flanked by Moses on the left with the the law and with Elijah on the right. And look at Peter, James, and John and their various prayer postures at the bottom of that central panel. This shows, with these two superstars of Israel's history and Hebrew scripture, that they were talking with their friend, their Messiah, their master, their Jesus. And we see a continuity between the Old and the New Testaments. This message could have been also called, Look, Stop, Listen. Look at who is here pointing to the power and the primacy of Jesus, Moses, representing the law given to him and to us by God on another mountain, Mount Sinai, in the Sinai Peninsula. Moses dialogued with Jesus who came not to do away with the law, he said, but to fulfill the law, as we heard in the Sermon on the Mount in February, on that other mount, the Mount of Beatitudes in Galilee. And then there is Elijah, representing God's prophets, those who foretold, that is, proclaimed God's word, even when it wasn't the popular thing to do. The prophets were also always pointing toward the coming Messiah. You may remember that the job description of prophets is primarily and initially to foretell and foretell, rather incidentally. And Peter, into this scene, Peter, who often was known to shoot off his mouth inappropriately, 
speaks and says, it is good for us to be here. I think that's pretty presumptuous, don't you? If you say the word, I will set up three tents, one for you, Jesus, as well as for, for, Matthew, for Moses and Elijah. But Peter's speech was cut off immediately as that bright cloud overshadowed them. Clouds are usually gray and damp, aren't they? They roll in like the fog. This one appeared suddenly bright and shining. It enveloped them with the glory of God. That's called the Shekinah. Yahweh's Shekinah. Yahweh's glory. The whole experience demonstrates God's power. And so they were to stop. They looked. They needed to stop. Peter, stop talking. Or Karen. Or put in your own name. Stop what you're doing. What you're thinking about doing, building a tent or going to the grocery, uh, building a tent to keep Jesus and Moses and Elijah here where we three can have you all to ourselves and where Jesus doesn't have to go to the cross. Peter didn't like that idea that had been presented in the prior chapter. But this is not just stop and look. This is also son et lumière, sound and light. Suddenly there was a voice. Now I wonder if anyone here has watched a new TV show on Monday nights after the Olympics, they said, called The Voice. I have not. But from what I've seen on the ads during the Olympics, that show searches for and listens for the outstanding voice. The voice in and through the Shekinah glory did not need to be sought God's voice reverberated powerfully. The voice said, this is my son, the beloved. Other translations say, this is my beloved son. With him, I am well pleased. Dale Bruner translates it this way. This is my priceless son. I am deeply pleased with him. Now, these words, whatever translation you prefer, are the very same words that God spoke, God's voice from heaven spoke, when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River by his cousin, John the Baptizer, as the Holy Spirit dove descended on him. This was Jesus' commissioning, his ordination, if you will, the beginning of his ministry. Incidentally, This points us to the reality that all Christians, all who are baptized, are called, are commissioned, really are ordained by God to serve, to minister, that is, in Christ's name. It's not just the clergy. This is one of those rediscoveries and emphases of the Protestant Reformation, the priesthood of all believers. You know, it is so important to know our identity. It's a bedrock basis of knowing who and whose we are. This is not about self-esteem. I think about it as Christ-esteem or God-esteem. In 1992, Henry Nouwen spoke at the Crystal Cathedral. Henry Nouwen was a Dutch priest who had taught at Yale and Harvard and Notre Dame. And at that time was serving at large, uh, a, 
a community in Ontario, Canada, that served the severely handicapped. It was started by a Frenchman named Jean Vanier. Henry spoke of being the beloved, building on the two times in the Gospels that God spoke from heaven to Jesus within human earshot, He reminded the congregation that God said, This is my beloved son on whom my favor rests. That sermon, which I've read in his book by that same title and listened to numerous times, it is interesting that I've ordered the the, uh, video or the DVD three times and loaned it and never gotten it back. I'm glad it's on YouTube now. It has ministered to me deeply that Nowen applies God's declaring Jesus as the beloved by saying likewise, we need to hear God saying to us, you are my beloved child. You are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. You are my beloved Remember, God says in Jeremiah, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. And in Isaiah, see, I have engraved you, your name, on the palms of my hands. And now continuing in Isaiah, now thus says the Lord, he created you and says, do not fear For I have redeemed you. I have called you by me. You are mine. I encourage you to soak in your belovedness. To marinate in it. So that it really sinks in. God's love will change you and me. As tenderizing marinade really changes meat. Brennan Manning's old uncle Seamus knew he was beloved and it clearly impacted his nephew Ed and others' lives. But what God said at Jesus' transfiguration does not stop as it did in the baptism. On the Mount of Transfiguration, God added for the benefit of Peter, James, John, and us, listen to him. Don't you talk, Peter or Karen, or you can insert your name. You be the audience, not talking about tense and the importance of you being present. Listen. The Latin word for listen is audire, A-U-D-I-R-E, the root from which comes our word audio or auditorium. To listen intently Enough to really hear and understand is another Latin word, obediri, O-B-E-D-I-R-E. Listening leads to obedience. When we hear, when we listen and hear, we begin to become who God has created us to be, and we begin to do what God calls us to do. Listening, hearing the voice of God affirming our belovedness, leads us to obey willingly, lovingly. So how do we listen to God? As we move into Lent, beginning this Wednesday, it's a special time set apart to draw near and listen to God. So how do we do that? 
through God's word read, as you and I spend quiet, even silent time, listening to the still, small voice of God. As we read God's word individually and meditate on it, letting it flow through our mind and our being. Meditating means chewing on the cud of God's word. And as we memorize it, putting it away in our pantries so it's always accessible to us. And of course, in corporate worship, which is when we find it more alive at times and more applicable. It's always best to pray before we read God's word so that the Holy Spirit, whose job description includes teaching us and helping us understand God's word, will be our teacher. We listen through God's word proclaimed in sermons and classes, even in Christian books, but we must be discerning. Only the Bible is scripture, not some favorite author or preacher or teacher. We're to test to see where it matches with scripture, not Calvin or Luther or Nowen or Manning or you fill in your favorite Christian author. That's why my prayer before preaching often is, as my words are true to your word, may they be taken to heart. But as my words should stray from your word, may they be quickly forgotten. We hear the word of God through the still small voice of the Holy Spirit, and it always lines up with scripture too. We also know of God's word in our life circumstances and through the counsel of trusted friends and mentors in the body of Christ. It's so important to be in smaller fellowships like men's and women's and couples in mixed small groups. When Peter, James, and John heard the voice of God, they fell to the ground overcome by fear. This is not just awe. But this is really being afraid. Hebrews 10.31 says, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But look at the grace of God in Jesus as he right away comes to them, touches them and says, Get up and do not be afraid. Jesus raises them from fear. It's a precursor of the rescues and the little resurrections, if you will, in our lives, thanks to Jesus Christ. And when they looked up, had their eyes been downcast or shut during, due to the brightness or the fearsomeness, the Shekinah glory, fearing they might see God and die? As they looked up, they saw only Jesus himself Alone, the text says. Jesus was, by God, and we are, taken, chosen by God as the beloved. Blessed, how blessed we are to be God's beloved children. He was broken. We are. We confess it every week, if not every day in our private prayers. You know in what ways you are broken, poor in spirit, mourning, all those ways that Jesus' beatitudes paradoxically are about God blessing us and given. We are not just blessed 
beloved and chosen and blessed and broken for good for ourselves, but to be given in service, that is ministry, to bless others in our families, in our communities, in our world. As we come to the Lord's Supper and you hear the words of institution said by Reverend O'Grady and me, meditate on them for you as the bread and the cup are taken, blessed, broken, and given that you might shine and I might shine as lights in the world reflecting Jesus Christ. Amen.